Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. Now, when I, that's Paul speaking, went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did, uh, I did not find my brother Titus there. And so I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, we uh, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. We're going to talk about... Uh, this morning, I'm calling this for the sake of life. We have all been called to be a part of leading people to new life in Christ. And our lives are meant for the sake of Christ. If we're meant to make disciples of all nations, the question is, well, how do we actually do that? Like, what does that actually look like in the day to day? And Paul gives us a glimpse of it here. And, and what's happened here is, as you heard in the video and here, is that Paul was in one place planning to, to, Flourish and function and do his stuff there. And then God says, I'm going to take you somewhere else. In fact, um, I could even just tell you briefly out of Acts chapter 16, Luke records how that happens. Uh, you know what, what his interpretation of that experience in, in Acts chapter 16, verse six says, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. That's all of what's Turkey today. And having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word of God in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. Uh, that's a little bit further north. Uh, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them. And so they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. That's the city we just looked at. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we, that's an interesting Luke is joining the group there. We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. That culture, that area today, still dreams and visions are life-changing. The vast majority of believers that we've met came to Christ as, as part of their journey. They had a vision of some kind, an encounter in a dream or a vision that led them to faith in Christ. So it's important. But here's what I want to say about this. When we look at... Uh, you know, being people who are part of making the gospel known, we first have to have a commitment to go where the Spirit leads us. We go where the Holy Spirit leads. I can, I can almost guarantee that a year ago, Brent, you did not know, you were not contemplating being, coming in and being the pastor of this church. That was not on your radar. It wasn't in your five-year strategic plan, right? You, you suddenly got, you know, a sense of a word from the Lord and just said, I, I, actually, I'm going to take you over here. 
We go where the Spirit leads. When you look at verse 12, and, and it says, When I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found the Lord had opened the door for me, what do you expect is going to happen in verse 13? You think verse 13 is going to be, The Lord opened the door for me, and it was amazing. And I stayed there for three years, and we just led millions to Christ. And like That's what you think the setup is. He says, The Lord opened the door, and we didn't walk through it. That's a remarkable moment. And, and we want to say, well, how was Paul led? And that applies to us as well. The, the Holy Spirit spoke to him. In case it was a dream, it was an impression. The Holy Spirit gave him instruction. He had this lack of inner kind of settledness. He said, I felt no peace because my, my partner T- Titus was not there. I just couldn't feel good about that decision. And then there was the circumstances. The fact that Titus wasn't there. It, it just it, it wasn't working out. And rather than just sort of making something happen, Paul said, we're going to go where the Spirit leads. So how do you know that the Spirit's leading you? How do you kind of follow the leading of the Holy Spirit? I would say this. Generally, trust your intuition. Do your thing. You have a new redeemed heart in Christ. And generally speaking, God's going to lead you as you should go. The Apostle Paul generally said, let's go here. And he went here. Let's go there. And he went there. But there are times that... You know, like in, in football, like the Holy Spirit's going to call an audible. You think you're going here, and it's going to be here. And we want to be those kind of people. You, you want to be able to say, yes, and I would say, generally, say yes. Um, Josh, I think I saw you there. I, was, I often share your story with other people, because if you ever want to hear a great story, you know, learning to grow in your faith by saying, generally saying, okay, yes. Make it yes. But there are times you need to say no, and it's okay to say no to this if you're saying yes to what the Spirit's leading you over here. And as for Troas, uh, Paul left, but it was not neglected. You need to know that. It wasn't neglected. Paul just says, in fact, it, it literally says, I said goodbye to them. Who's them? Well, whoever was left to do the ministry there in Troas. So don't worry about it. That church thrived for centuries. That was an important center uh, of the church. Um, that city, in fact, was so crucial, uh, it was twice considered to be the capital of the Roman Empire. So it was an important place. Here's my question for you and for me. Are we training ourselves to hear, like to listen and to respond to the direction of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Are we practicing that as we, as we go about uh, it's sometimes small things and it's sometimes big things. It can be as small as, you know, I've had experiences where I can walk home this way or I can walk home this way. And I'm like, well, I normally go this way. And I think I'm supposed to go this way today. And you walk home this way and you bump into that person that you've been needing to encounter and see and couldn't get a hold of. Like, ah, hey, it's so great to see you. That's the leading of the Holy Spirit, even in the tiniest things. Sometimes it's big, sometimes it's small. But we want to be learning to listen Train ourselves to hear the nudge, the Spirit. Can I leave you with a word of caution on this this point? And that's this. We want to just resist comparing ourselves to others. I'll tell you, I've got people who say, man, I can't believe you went overseas and you're doing all that stuff. And like, no, 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 no. I have, I, we have colleagues that are, have just gone into Afghanistan and who have gone into Iraq and Pakistan. I'm like, no, 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 don't talk to me. Like, and the temptation is always to compare ourselves to that person who's doing what in our mind seems like 
oh, that's too hard or that's like too far out of reach. God gives you grace for what you're called to do right now. Right now, Crystal is up there and, and her other leaders leading children's ministry. And some of you are saying, I could never do that. Now, some of you need to give it a try. Honestly, but for some of you, that's true. You could never do that, and you would do a terrible job. (laughs) But that doesn't mean that what you're called to is of less significance or less importance than what's happening there or what's happening in the country where we live. You have to not compare yourself and just say, we're going to do what the Lord leads us to do. One's not greater or lesser based on your location or, or task. The second thing that we get out of this passage in terms of how do we make the gospel known, the Apostle Paul says it in verses 14, 15, 16. He says, thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession, uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. We are to God the pleasing aroma. Here's the thing. You smell wherever you go. (laughs) Becky and I live in a city of 20 million people. We don't have a car. We use public transit a lot. And, and we live in a culture that doesn't, how should I put this, doesn't exactly, like, value, like, deodorant the way we might in this country. And some days, your eyes are watering, and you think, I, I think I need to get off this train. And, 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 you know, you can't really hide it if that's you. You, you can't, like, it's just there. It's, it's happening no matter what. And... Uh, Here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus, you carry the fragrance of Christ. Paul's visual is that he compares it to a Roman victory parade. Roman victory parades were a big deal. So they're going through. They're pulling the captives in behind them to show they've defeated uh, this other group. And the, the streets would be lined with flowers and incense. There was literally the fragrance of victory. And Paul's saying, that's you. You're the captives in this case. I think it's, it's meaning that you're the captives being led along. You've been captured out of slavery to sin and you've been led into, uh, into you know, slavery and subservience to the great king of kings. And that's Paul's picture for us. And um, we would just say, as a follower of Christ, you carry the fragrance of Jesus. Don't mask it. Don't cover it up. Don't try to, to hide it in some way. That's never going to be never going to be uh, helpful. In fact, you can't. Um, our experience in in where we live is people often describe it. People who don't know Jesus would describe it this way. They say, "Wow, you you and Becky have a real positive energy." You heard that so many times. We, oh, you guys have real positive energy. Well, how do you tell them? That's we think it's the presence of Jesus, the fragrance of Christ, I, and and. As an example, we we had a little weekend getaway together and. Um, I was sitting in the, in, the, in the pool and met this guy. He's a diamond dealer from Beirut who owns, who owns shops in Belgium, Istanbul, uh, Beirut, of course, I think Singapore. I mean, he's, he's doing okay. <laughs> he told me he started cutting diamonds when he was 12 years old. He's an expert. And uh, this guy's like, hey, can we have lunch together? I'd like to spend some time with you. I, I, we have a neighbor in our building. She's not a believer. She's actually from Canada. She reached out to us a little bit ago. And she says, hey, I'm going through a hard time. Can I come over for dinner? Right? That's the fragrance of Christ that people say, I think I need to be around that. But not for everyone. Being in Christ makes you smell, but not everybody appreciates 
the fragrance. Uh, but that doesn't mean you covered up. Uh, your Christ fragrance. There's kind of three things, right, that Paul says. He says, to the Lord, it's pleasing. That fragrance of Jesus that's in you coming out pleases God. That's an amazing thought. And then to the dying, you stink. It's the odor of death. It's the stench of of decay. Why? Because it reminds them of where they are at in their own life and they don't want it and they don't want you around because it reminds them of their own destiny. But to some of the dying, those who desire salvation, it's the smell of life. Have you ever left the gas, the, the gas on on your stove in your house? Anybody ever done that? Well, okay, there's a few. A few that will admit it. Okay, that has happened to us and, and uh, as you know, they add a little stinky aroma to the gas and i remember this happening in fresno waking up in the morning thinking wow the house smells really bad i think the gas was on all night right now is that the fragrance of death or is that the fragrance of life if i'd lit up a cigarette it might have been the fragrance of death (laughs) but because it warned me of pending doom it's the fragrance of life. It's not a smell I, I like, but I sure appreciated being able to smell it. And that's what's happening. Your life in Christ is that fragrance. To some, it's, oh, it's awful. And some, it's like, wow, I think I need what you have. So let your fragrance waft. Intensify your fragrance. Spend time with Jesus. Spend time with God's people. Be present in church. Um, you know, one of the most amazing things that happened to Becky and I in this last year is being in church for the first several months, not understanding anything, not what we were singing, not what was being said, nothing. And yet every Sunday coming away enriched, filled up, built up because we were with God's people. Enrich your fragrance. So as we go, we smell, and then the hard part comes, we speak, Paul says. The third thing is we speak with sincerity, not with superiority. We speak with sincerity, not with superiority. Look at look at verse uh, that's in verse seventeen. Um, uh, uh, unlike so many, he says, "We do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity, as those sent from God. We're here to make disciples of Jesus, not disciples of Brian or disciples of Brent uh, or disciples of Christie. We're here to make disciples of Jesus." Uh, Paul writes this in in chapter 4, verse 5. He says, for what we preach, let's go to that slide, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Christ's sake. That's what we're about. We're not preaching about ourselves. If next week Brent gets up here and says, hey, church, from now on, uh, you just need to put your faith in me. And, uh, and, you know, I'm like, then the following week, the church should be empty. Right? So, we're here to get people to follow Jesus. And we do our best to set an example. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. I, I, I get all that. But Paul does add this little thing in verse 16. He says, and who is equal to such a task? Who is, who is up for this challenge? And the answer, I mean, it's a, it's a rhetorical question. The answer is nobody. Nobody is. Nobody's qualified to share the good news. Like, is a college degree enough? Is a, is a master's degree enough? Do you need a doctorate? Do you need five years experience? Do you need 20 years experience? Like Paul's saying, look, 
doesn't matter how good you are, how credentialed or qualified you are, it's never enough. We're not qualified to share the incredible, precious good news except by the grace of God that God enables us and calls us to do that on His behalf. So, sincerity, I would, I'd like to say, like, sincerity is not how much you know, how skilled you are, how credentialed you are. Sincerity is speaking in a way that is both personal, candid, right, personal, and God-honoring. So when you share, it should bring glory to God, not glory to self. That's the goal. That's what we want to be about. And, and I, I'll say it this way. Sincerity is this sweet spot. We can go to that next slide. Sincerity is a sweet spot between the confidence of knowing you have the absolute best news and the self-awareness to not get in the way of it. That's sincerity. Like, I'm confident that what I'm telling you, that you can be saved, you can have eternal life in, through your faith in Christ. You can have an eternity with God. I can say that with all confidence, but I'm saying, but I don't want to kind of get in the way of that. Maybe the worst example would be like a televangelist who has this platform to share the good news and says, oh, and by the way, you need to buy me an airplane. Right? That's getting in the way of the good news. And so we want to be sincere, sincere as we speak uh, the good news message. Sensitive in every situation, like, um, you know, uh, like a garden hose. Like a garden hose, think of it as, uh, you know, you're, you're dispensing God's grace. And if you're in the, in the yard with your garden hose and there's something you need to spray off the sidewalk, you put it on blast and you get it off there. And then if you just planted some, some seedlings in little pots and you're going to grow some tomatoes, you just dribble it on there. Not everything gets full blast and not everything gets a drip. You have a sensitivity of like, I'm a conduit of God's grace. I have this confidence. I have this sincerity. And I'm just going to follow the flow of the Spirit. And, and everywhere I go, just dispense what I can. So as a sincere messenger of, of the gospel, you never, never apologize for the simple truth, uh, the simple saving grace of the gospel. You never need to apologize for that, right? We're dead in our sin. We are all dead in our sin. That we can't save ourselves. No matter how nice we are or how hard we try. That God has made the only way to be saved through Jesus. And that we can all be saved by our faith in Him. That's the message. And you never need to apologize for that. Some are going to hate you for it. And some are going to love you for it. But that's the, that's the call. Last thing I just want to say is this. That we speak. We speak. I'm going to invite um, worship team. You guys can come on up. Um, this is this is the hard part. At least it is for me. I don't know if it's hard for you, but it's hard for most people to finally put it into words that you need the gospel. You need to be saved. You need to put your faith in Jesus. But we speak not in our own authority, but in Christ's authority. You speak as one sent from God for God and before God. We humbly speak from God, for God, and before God. He's the audience. He's the one enabling you and empowering you. How does it start? Simple and local. That's how it begins. Simple and local. And the great simple way to do this sometimes is just by telling somebody, uh, and you know, this is something I'm able to do, at least especially in our culture, that's highly religious Someone's going through a hard time, say, is that something I could pray about for you? You could do that with a coworker, a classmate, colleague, right, a neighbor. Wow, it sounds like you're going through a lot right now. 
Is that something I could pray about for you? Wow. Yeah, if you want. Could I pray right now? Uh, yeah, sure, that would be great. And meanwhile, you're shaking in your boots and wish you had put on extra deodorant. And <laughs> Right? But, you know, I tell you, that relationship changes when you have the courage to do that. And you know what? It's just being sensitive and faithful. Um, it may become global. The Lord may actually lead you to some dramatic move overseas, but generally not, and it's got to start right where you are. We want to be people who who are faithfully doing that. And as, as we're obedient, God gives amazing opportunities. I want to tell you a little story. Let's go to that picture. There's like, yeah, that one there. So we're in a traditional Turkish home here, and uh, this, is a, this is a meal on the floor in the living room. That's the dining room table, which is really convenient because you can put it away easily, tip it up and roll it behind the sofa, and now you've got your space back. And uh, on the left there, that's, uh, that's our friend Amut. He's from our church. He's about 26 or 27, recent believer, loves Jesus. And Amut had been telling us stories of his family's, his parents reject. He's an only child, and his parents had just perpetually rejected him for his decision to follow Jesus. I wish you were dead. I wish you would never come home. I can't believe you'd do this to us. This sort of messaging from his, particularly from his mother. And uh, we're like, wow, I don't, I don't know what to say about that. But he was living there at home. One day this summer he says, my, my mom wants to have you over for lunch. I'm like, yeah, she wants to have us for lunch, all right. <laughs> right? And so we had an invitation, and his dad was there too later. And I thought, how's this going to go? Like, is she just going to tear a strip off us? She doesn't speak a word of English. At this point, our, our, our local language is limited, very limited. Uh, but we came, we sat down, she prepared this gorgeous traditional meal for us, so much food. And uh, I said to Amud, I said, is it okay if I just say a blessing for the meal before we eat? And he said that would be okay. So I just prayed in English, just prayed for her, just invited the presence of Jesus into that home, that God would be at work in softening hearts. And I could say whatever I want because she can't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> it's perfect. And when we were done, she said to her son, that felt really good. Her first experience with a Christian, aside from her son, her first experience with a foreigner. And it felt really good to her. And then later in the meal, she just said, why are you so happy? And we, I was able to say in, in her language, I, I, just, I just felt like God gave me the words to say. It's all I could come up with was, we have found in our experience, Bism Tejube, when with Jesus inside, joy is outside. Okay, now has she responded? No. But she's in touch with Becky all the time. She's messaging with her. Becky went with her to the mosque, accompanied her while she did her, her prayers because we know a relationship is really, really important in the culture. Did we look for it? Did we set that up? Did we create that opportunity? No. Was it difficult? It was a long, hard day to do that. It took two hours uh, away on transit to get to their home. We sat for, how long were we there? Four or five hours together? You, you just carve out your day 
and you, you spend that time together. We drank tea and we drank coffee and we ate too much food. And we just believe that God's going to be at work in her life. But someone has to be there to see that through. So my challenge is listen to the spirit and obey in the small things first. Commit to yes. Yes, that's my commitment, Jesus. And then let your fragrance waft, right? Trust God with the outcome. Commit to be open and smelly, Jesus kind of smelly, right? Speak sincerely, knowing that you're speaking from God, you're speaking for God, you're being speaking by God, His empowerment, His authorization. And then just speak as the Lord enables When you have that moment, say, okay, Lord, I'm scared. I don't know what to say, but I'm going to start, and you do the rest. And he will. I promise you he will. Can I pray for you, church, before we go into our closing song? God, you're so good to us. You're so faithful. You never let us down. You never abandon us. Jesus, you sent us into all the world, but you said, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. And that tells us there is an end coming, Lord, which tells me that this call is urgent. This task is urgent. Jesus, you're returning soon. We see we're in a world that needs you more than ever. And God, we, want to, we just want to be faithful to that. Holy Spirit, we're going to say yes. And when you give us the redirect, we'll redirect. We'll, we'll be obedient to that. Lord, we're not going to apologize for our Jesus fragrance, our Jesus smell, knowing that it's going to turn some off, but others are going to find life. And Lord, I just ask that you give all of us the courage to open our mouth and speak when you give that opportunity. God, I thank you for your grace that flows through us to those who need it in large amounts and small amounts. We just want to be those people. And God, I thank you for this church. I pray that you would continue to expand Bethany Church's influence in this community and this city. Lord, that the things that happen here would make an eternal difference for many, many, many people. That whole families' lives would be dramatically changed because of what happens here in this place. I pray over the coming Journey to Bethlehem event. Lord, as we get ready for the fun of so many people being on the campus and having that experience, that God, that gospel message of Jesus coming to earth for us would just pierce like never before. And God, that you would cause that to flow throughout this city. God, I thank you for the leader, the staff and the leaders in this church. God, I ask that you would bless and empower them so that um, this is just a church known as a place where you can find Jesus. We pray that to be true. We thank you for your great love for us. We thank you for your presence in this place. We love you. And uh, we just want to walk with you each day. In your name we pray. Amen.